today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, the State Department issues a warning for U.S. travelers abroad. And in the Small Victories for Travelers Department, Delta Airlines walks back some of the radical changes in its frequent flyer program. Those stories next in the news. Speaking of frequent flyer programs, if you're a regular listener, you know it's no secret the airlines, hotels, and even Domino's Pizza are regularly devaluating their bonus programs. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 1120, we share some wisdom on how to fight back against those unfriendly changes. At 11.35, we take you out to Sacramento International Airport and talk to Cindy Nickel, the Director of Airports for Sacramento County. Let's get some of your questions answered and pose a few of our own. There's a big expansion in the works. Finally, our odds and ends segment at 11.55 revisits the Las Vegas vending machine cake story. It's a cake goo update. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Here to make you a smarter traveler, we are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, my friends, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacation. Thanks for coming along. Don't forget now, you can follow along with the show, get links to our special guests and lots more, always at TravelGuysRadio.com. How you doing, Mark? Welcome. It's uh, that time again, uh, 11 o'clock on a Saturday and time to do a radio show. Yeah, you betcha for sure. I am... Back in town, headed out again, um, this time to the south to visit Jimmy Carter's hometown and a bunch of a bunch of significant civil rights places like Rosa Parks Museum and the mm-hmm. Tuskegee Airmen's National Historic Site and things like that in the south. So I'll have a report on that next week. In the meantime, I just want to tell folks, we'll talk some more about Route 66 on a future program, but two things I want to tell you. If you ever get an opportunity to go to the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta in Albuquerque in October, it's held every year. We were there this year. It's the second time I've been. It is really spectacular. It's worth the money. It's a lot of people. It's, you know, like going to a big state fair or something like that. The weather can interrupt it. We had two sessions scheduled, only got one in. But I'm just telling you, when hundreds of balloons go up in the air of all shapes, colors, and sizes, it's it's just exciting it's just wonderful well with that being said mark uh have you ever taken a hot air balloon ride i haven't i'm a little bit afraid of heights but i have to tell you that watching the people who were taking the balloon rides in albuquerque (laughs) week and a half ago really made me think about you know maybe i could blindfold myself or convince myself that i wasn't about to do what i was about to do two um Two other things. If you are ever um, in Arizona and you have the opportunity, there's a place in Winslow, Arizona. Remember the Eagles song, Standing on a Corner in Winslow, Mm -hmm. Arizona? Um, They've not only created Standing on a Corner in Winslow, Arizona as a photo op, but there's a a block away. There's a great place to stay called La Posada. It's one of the old Harvey House hotels. It's just a wonderful, wonderful place. They have an amazing restaurant. The folks are really, really nice there. And it's not for B 
being a cool, historic place, it's an old train depot, an old Harvey House Hotel in Winslow. It's not priced like some of the other really cool type places around the country. So it's really quite reasonable. It's within driving distance of the Grand Canyon and Petrified Forest National Park. It would make a great place to stay for three or four days if for no other reason to just eat in their restaurant and take your picture standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. And finally, if you're in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, an old Route 66 uh, monument. It's been there since the early 50s. It's called Felipe. It's where the French dip sandwich was supposedly uh, invented, originated by accident. Mm -hmm. There's a story there. I won't go into it. (laughs) But it's a great place to get lunch. If you go there, make sure you get there by 1130 or so. They tend to get somewhat overwhelmed. Felipe, downtown Los Angeles. It's in Chinatown. Good place to visit. Awesome, awesome. Always uh, kind of uh, fascinated by uh, foods that were created accidentally. All right. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. Well, as we mentioned, um, we like to have fun and travel's a lot of fun, but serious note of caution from the State Department. They issued this on October the 19th, Thursday. Worldwide caution due to increased tensions in various locations around the world. The potential for terrorist attacks attacks, demonstrations, or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests. The State Department advises U.S. citizens overseas to exercise increased caution. Stay alert in locations frequently by tourists. Enroll in the STEP program to receive information and alerts to make it easier to locate you in an emergency overseas. That's Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. If you're going overseas, STEP, you can find out online. And uh, follow the State Department on Facebook and Twitter. Just a, a little bit of wisdom there. A lot of uncertainty in the planet these days. It might be a good thing if you knew what was going on. And speaking of what's going on, Windstar Cruises had a plan to start an inaugural Middle East season that has been postponed somewhat indefinitely. They haven't said when they're going to start. So if you had a Windstar Cruise planned for the Middle East this season, you might want to check in with them if you haven't heard from them yet. Stats Canada says air travel costs were down 21% in September in Canada. So why would we care about that in Sacramento? Well, a lot of people from Sacramento travel to Canada. So that means that airfares, hotels, restaurants, things related to travel have come down dramatically, 20% at least, in a year-over-year comparison, particularly the airfares. So that's why that's kind of important. It's just another sign that perhaps travel prices are moderating a little bit. The CEO at United Airlines, Scott Kirby, is predicting trouble ahead for low-cost carriers. He said things are softening particularly in the low fare market, and he expects those ultra-low fare carriers, that would be Spirit, Frontier, Allegiant, um, to have some financial troubles ahead. It's hard to tell whether he's just blowing off steam and criticizing the competition, or he's really talking um, with, 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 with facts as opposed to just off the top of his head. Um, he thinks that ultra-low cost carriers will ultimately have to find a way to upscale their product because they're running out of ways to gouge people. Mm -hmm. There's almost nothing more they could charge you for except maybe using the toilet on the airplane. Um, So so this guy at United is saying, well, if they've got nowhere to go down, then they're going to have to go up. 
to increase revenue, especially if times get a little bit tough, kind of interesting. And finally, our last story here, he says with a small chuckle, Delta walks back some changes to airport lounge access and loyalty program after customer complaints. If you could have seen the blogs online the last couple of weeks, Tom, um, just everybody who's ever walked near a Delta airplane uh, really was not very happy with what they did. I don't know they're going to be all that happy with the changes. Basically, Delta dramatically increased the requirements to get to some of their elite passenger tiers. And, of course, mm-hmm. the, one of the reasons people try to get there is because they can get free upgrades. Well, two things to know. One is that in the free upgrade department, the airlines have come down significantly on the cost of first-class tickets. So where first-class tickets used to be three times, three and a half times the cost of coach, in many cases now they're only a couple of times the cost of coach. If you can afford it, you might look at it. The next time you're traveling, you might find that it's a lot more affordable than you thought. Um, And so the first-class seats, the upgrades, are not going to be available as much as they used to be because the airlines have figured out a better that, that by offering them for less money, they give fewer of them away, and they're able to sell more of them. So that's not really good news, no matter what Delta does by uh, saying, well, with the credit card now you can get a few more uh, lounge accesses and we'll bring this requirement down a little bit. It's still a lot more than it was before. And I'm I'm thinking Delta here is trying to back off just enough to keep people from screaming too much. A lot of Delta flyers at least have said – that they're going to take Alaska and American and some of the other carriers up on the offers, the matching offers they made. An airline will will give you three months to fly a designated number of flights or mi- and or miles or spend X number of dollars with them. And if you're able to do that, then they will match whatever status that you had at the previous airline. So Delta apparently was getting a little bit hit. Um, they certainly were getting a hit from a PR standpoint, but they've decided to back off some of these changes. But if you are a Delta SkyMiles person, you may want to take a look at it. You may find out that it's it's not it, it's still going to take a lot more. And if you don't have a Delta credit card and you aren't spending money with Delta, then your days of being a Delta Elite Flyer are probably pretty well numbered. Our last story here, it is Halloween coming up soon. This is about a ghostly night out in Sacramento with U.S. Ghost Adventures. It's a company that's starting ghost towns, uh, ghost tours in a number of different cities around the country. Uh, I'm a little bit of a ghost tour fan, so mm-hmm. I probably won't try to do this between now and Halloween since it's probably in a big demand. But uh, they use the electromagnetic field detectors uh, <laughs> like my ghost hunting friends in uh, Nevada do so that you can detect the presence of spirits. Whether you believe in all this stuff or not, it's a lot of fun. There is a link at TravelGuysRadio.com in case you would like to put a ghost tour in your future in Sacramento in the near future. And that's your haunting travel news for today. We talked about it at the top of the show about frequent flyer programs and uh, how that everything is uh, is being devaluated. Let's, uh, Let's dig into it a little bit further and talk about you know, how we can fight back against this. Well, and really and truly um, telling people that we're going to tell them how to fight back against it is a little disingenuous, is a little bit of clickbait, because the reality is that there aren't a whole lot of ways to fight back against this. But we'll we'll talk about some of them. Fight back back with your, your credit card and your money, right? 
Well, and more and more, you make a really valid point there, sir. Um, more and more, your credit card is worth more than your money. Because when you spend money someplace, it's over. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets a rake. Nobody gets a percentage. The store gets your cash and you get the product. But when you use your credit card, then a whole lot of people start to get things. And the people who have the credit cards get these miles and points and things from the credit card and things from the vendor. And I mentioned intentionally Domino's Pizza because recently their frequent guest program, if you will, um, underwent a pretty serious devaluation. This has been happening all over the place. These folks come up with these programs, and then somebody in corporate realizes that, oh, my God, this was a great idea, but now it's three years later, and people are actually starting to use these things. They're starting to to redeem these points and these miles and these coupons and all these things, and, my God, it's costing us a lot more money than we estimated it did. We're going to have to do something about this. And so they go back and they devalue the program. They move the goalposts. Instead of it being 25,000 miles to get a round-trip ticket on an airline, which it was 10 or 15 years ago, then it was 35,000 miles, and then it was 40,000 miles, and then it was 25,000 miles each way. And then sports teams and concert people introduced us to dynamic pricing. Mm -hmm. And boy, I'll tell you what. That might have been good for them, but it wasn't good for us. It's all based on supply and demand, which is a pretty common business principle. The more demand there is, the higher the price is. So the airline said, well, gee, if you want to reuse your points to redeem a a flight to New York City on a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning, why, we're going to have to get more points for that. And if the... The airline, the hotel said, well, you know, if you want to come on a holiday weekend, I mean, we can't let you have that room for 30,000 points. It'll have to be 85,000. And so now the point award charts for airlines and hotels have pretty much gone out the window. You still have those for places like my example of Domino's Pizza. Sports Leisure Vacations has a frequent travel traveler program called Gold Passport Points. I proudly will say I think we devised it about 30 years ago. We made one small adjustment in it about 17 years ago, and otherwise it has stayed exactly the way it is. And it serves us and our travelers very well. You travel a lot with our company, you earn some points, and you can redeem those points for discounts on tours. Cool. The longer you save up the points, the more redemption value they have. Do we know that some of those points will never be redeemed? Absolutely. 35 or 40% of them will never be redeemed. That's part of the equation that all of these people use. It's the same thing as gift cards. They know that they give you these things, and you a lot of them will never get redeemed. A lot of people will go to their graves with 17,000 points in their account, having never redeemed them for anything because it wasn't enough or to do whatever they wanted to do. And now those points, in essence, are, like the person who held them, not around anymore. And so, unfortunately, more and more people are are earning these rewards and redeeming these points because, after all, every credit card says, here, get 60,000 bonus points with this hotel or 90,000 miles or 150,000 worthless sky pesos or something like that so that you can make some – so that you can make some money – 
off credit cards. The reality is that they wouldn't give you those miles or points if they didn't feel like that you were going to spend enough money for them to get their money back. It's all become a credit card game. For those of you who think that it's still important to the airlines of how many times you sit down in an airline seat or whether you're in first class or coach, I'm going to tell you, not so much anymore. So it's all about uh, using uh, your credit card uh, and spending and spending the money and not how yes. often you fly. Because Delta Airlines, when you go to Raley's and you buy groceries and you spend $77 and you use your Delta credit card, Delta gets a cut. You never got on a Delta airplane. You didn't even wave at one as it flew over. But <laughs> Delta gets a percentage of that money that you spent. So if they can get you to pull that Delta credit card out of your wallet more often by saying, Psst, come over here, we'll give you some we'll give you some sky miles. Lots of bonus sky miles. We'll give you a hundred thousand sky miles. Never mind that a hundred thousand sky miles won't buy you what ten thousand sky miles bought you in years gone by. But people are suckers for this stuff and have been for a while. In the beginning it was a good thing. Now, with these moving goalposts, with this dynamic pricing, it's not so much of a good thing for consumers anymore. You've really got to be careful because they're suckering you into programs. And listen, I belong to some of these programs, but it, because they can move the goalposts anytime they want to, and there are no rules about that, then it's not such a good thing. You can't treat these miles and points as your retirement account. If you had half a million United miles 10 years ago, I guarantee you that those miles will not buy you anything close to what they would have bought you 10 years ago. So not only do you not get interest on these things, but the opposite happens. Because of the moving goalpost effect, the value of these points, miles, etc. goes down on a regular basis and not just with the the airlines and the hotels, but with the smaller vendor, vendors like Domino's Pizza wakes up one morning and says, oops, people are earning too much. They're redeeming too much. We've got to put a cap on this. So anytime that a vendor tells you as a consumer that, hey, we've re- we've just redone our frequent guest program and it's just you can't believe we've poor practically giving away the store. That's a bunch of B.S., Um, Nobody has ever redone one of those programs and made it better for the consumer. Every time they do it, they're giving you something and taking away something. If you walked into the grocery store and they gave you a quarter every time you walked in and demanded a dollar every time you walked out, how many times would you keep walking into that grocery store knowing that you were going to be down 75 cents no matter what you did? And I will suggest to you that that is what's going on with the frequent flyer frequent guest programs is that people are being sucked in by being told what they can get for free only to find out later that they can't really get that much or they never get to those levels where they redeem something of real value and so therefore it's really just a credit card scam we had a gentleman on and i can't remember his name and we talked about the value of credit cards and uh, Reddit credit card churning, and uh, he had a short list of the better credit cards to get. And mm-hmm. perhaps this might be something that we could revisit sometimes and, and kind of share with people if they're going to get one, which particular one would be the, the best to acquire. 
And keep in mind that a cash back card never bites you in the butt. So if your ca- if your card gives you one percent or two percent back of whatever you spend, you're going to get that. Guess what? You can choose to spend that money on anything you want. I have a Discover card. I earn one percent back on all of my purchases. At some point in time, I can tell Discover, "Well, use this against my bill, or send me a check," and they will because I've done both. So. Then I've got the check in my hand for $372 or whatever it is, and I can, by golly, I can go buy anything I want to with that money. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, a lot of these are indeed kind of sucker's bets, and keep hanging on to the points and the miles. If you reach a goal and that you've been striving for and you want to go to Europe and sit in first class and it's 300,000 miles and you've got them, then use them. Don't put it off because if you put it off to next year, you may find that that 300,000 miles has become 360,000 miles, and now you don't have enough points for, for the award. So that that really is the bottom line here is use the points and miles and the awards that you get. Don't let them sit there because they aren't bank accounts and they don't earn interest. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, we if, in regards to fighting back, the, the only thing you can really do is – like Mark mentioned, uh, get yourself a credit card that uh, gives you cash back. Uh, don't fall for uh, the being baited into uh, getting 100,000 frequent flyer miles if you spend $5,000 on your credit card or something like that. Yep. We would like to welcome Cindy Nickel, Director of Airports for Sacramento County, back to the Travel Guys. Cindy, it's been a while since we've spoken to you. Welcome back. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. I appreciate your interest. Well, we have you, as we talked before we started the interview, you're you're working in one of the most exciting places in the whole county. I mean, other than the construction project that's going to last the rest of our lives, um, downtown <laughs> rebuilding the freeway. At least it seems like that's how mm-hmm. long it's going to last. Um, you're about to mm-hmm. start some things out at the airport that are, I mean, you've got more customers than you know what to do with, and you need more room in a lot of ways. That's exactly right. Yes, we are um, experiencing historic highs in the number of passengers who are traveling into and out of Sacramento International Airport. Um, And in order to meet the needs that all those people bring, we are starting a $1.3 billion capital program that we're calling SMF Forward, which is made up of seven projects. It includes a pedestrian walkway between Terminal B and Concourse B, Um, an exit road for Terminal A, a new garage next to the Terminal B. Um, We're going to be adding some ticketing and baggage to space next to, sorry, in Terminal A. We're going to be adding five to eight gates onto Concourse B. We're going to be building a ground transportation center, and the furthest out project will be a consolidated rental car facility. Wow. So the rental cars... Instead of you taking a shuttle bus to them, you'll be able to walk to the rental car facilities from the terminal terminals? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That's right. Our goal is to have a walkable campus. So um, that's our actually the number one uh, complaint that we get is people who have to take the shuttle bus from the consolidated rental car facility or sorry, the existing rental car facility. Um, and so bringing the new facility in right next to, it'll be right south of uh, the existing garage. Um, that'll mean people can just walk. Cindy, does oh, that... Cindy you're, putting, Cindy, you're putting the new car rental facility on top of my parking space. 
<laughs> I know. So, you know, that's a, I know that's another thing that uh, people all, uh, people are um, all interested right now in parking close into the terminals. And well, so it's our very simple. Is, well, we're not. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's very simple. If you get out there like I do at 3.30 in the morning, lots of mornings, why then there's plenty of parking up close. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you get in there at 3 in the morning, you're going to find a spot. That's for sure. Cindy, are you going to uh, repurpose that uh, that old car rental space for more parking? You know, the rental cars want that space for uh, storage of their vehicles. So we anticipate that they'll continue to use that space. Um, but that's probably not going to all happen until about 2028. So as I, as I said, that's probably the furthest out project that we have. Um, so uh, we're certainly doing some other things to add parking at the airport. So if you come to the airport right now, you'll see that we're constructing 3,000 spaces, which will be a, in a new south economy lot, in addition to the construction of uh, Elkhorn Boulevard extension, uh, both of which will be opening next year. Wow. So there'll be a new way to get into the airport, perhaps? Yeah, sure. So you'll be able to come down um, 99 and come down um, Elkhorn Boulevard and come all the way across Metro Air Park, right onto the airport and come right up um, by the AMPM station. Oh, awesome. So that will relieve some of that traffic situation out there on I-5, where, of course, they're putting in extra lanes right now. That's going to take a little while to, to get done, I'm told, um, upwards of a year before we'll see the yeah. lanes out there. But when does the construction going to, when will the major construction start at the airport? When will people who use the airport start sure. to see some of this? Sure. So the first thing that people will start seeing is the, the construction of the uh, pedestrian walkway. Um, that's going to be starting um, this next summer, probably in July. And we expect that it will be finished um, around the end of 2025. Cindy, I have to ask, uh, I've seen some advertising and I, I've gotten the feel and have talked to some people. It seems that uh, our airport would be a perfect destination for people from Fairfield, Vacaville, Napa, Sonoma, all of those areas to come and uh, catch their planes out of Sacramento rather than trying to fight the crowds into San Francisco or Oakland. Uh, is this uh, something that you're looking at? Is this an intentional move? Yes, indeed. So we are, that's what we call our battleground as you get toward Oakland and San Jose and San Francisco airports. Right now, we are forming a regional air alliance, which is outreach to businesses in all seven counties, including those areas, by the way. We have our first meeting uh, with that group. Um, actually, it's going to be in, uh, let's see, November 8th. And mm -hmm. um, we're going to start working with them collectively to um, not only enhance air service out of the airport, but also to attract new air service um, and, and attract people to come to SMF instead of going to Oakland, San Jose, or San Francisco. Gosh, I don't use San Francisco very often. Usually it's the tiny puddle jumper on United Airlines down there to catch a flight going someplace that where I can't get one out of Sacramento. But um, certainly the Sacramento airport, we just saw a list. Um, Tom, uh, gosh, I wish I had it here in front of me, but Sacramento was like the seventh, rated the seventh best 
was this maybe yeah. our Wallet Hub friends or something like that? I do like believe that. it was, yes. But we were Sacramento was in the top ten in terms of the easiest, most user friendly airports in the entire country. So despite the fact, Cindy, that there are you know there are some things that aren't completely connected together, um, it seems like the general consensus is that our airport is much easier to use than most airports. Yes, we're super proud of that, and we're doing everything we can to keep it easy and as efficient as possible for people. As I mentioned, it is a bit of a challenge given that we're experiencing the all-time high in terms of number of people coming through here, but we're proud that um, we're focused on customer service, really want to try and keep it easy for people to use this airport, and I consistently hear the same thing from everyone uh, as I travel around the country and the world, that this is one of the easiest airports they experience. Yeah, that's that. that is is said often. I mean, like you said, even from people who don't live here, they just came here once and they were like, wow, that was really easy. Let me ask you, Cindy, what's the biggest current challenge that you face with passengers or people who are picking up and dropping off operationally? Currently, what's the biggest challenge at the Mm -hmm. airport? Sure. Thank you. That's a great question. The real challenge for us, you know, this really is basically a city unto itself. We have more than 4,600 badged people who work here, plus hundreds more who don't need badges. They don't need to go beyond security. But our biggest challenge is hiring people. That's our challenge um, as the county's department running the airports. It's the challenge that our tenants face. It's the challenge that our airlines face and also our concessionaires. So it's really hard to provide the high level of customer service that we're focused on when it's hard to get enough people to drive buses or um, operate the concessions or even, you know, work on staff to help with planning and other, other matters that affect um, our customers. Our special guest here on the travel and entertainment guy, Cindy Nichols. Cindy is the director of airports for Sacramento County in charge of putting out fires at Sacramento International Airport, Mather Airport, Franklin Field, Sacramento Executive Airport, and other stuff, according to Comstock Magazine. By the way, are you still getting up at 6 a.m. and watering your uh, bougainvilleas and geraniums every morning before you empty the dishwasher? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm super pleased that my plants are still alive, I'm, pl- I'm proud to say. <laughs> Cindy, just wanted to put a few questions here that are posed by some of our listeners. Listeners, smaller things you might say about uh, about the airport, things that, you know, the guy on the street might ask. Here's uh, here's one. Um, Joe L. says, uh, I've seen a couple of situations where it looks like the airport is dangerously close to running out of parking in both the economy, regular lots and garage. Is there any danger? Have you run out of parking on busy holiday weekends yet? Thank you for that question. That's a great question. We have not, and we're not even close to running out of parking. What really happens is a lot of people want to park close in to the terminals, and all of that parking is what fills up first. But we have actually more than 18,000 spaces that are currently in operation, plus the ability to add 1,800 more um, immediately as we need it. In addition to that, we are building those 3,000 spaces in the South Economy lot, which will open in the spring of next year, and we're going to be adding 4,500 to 5,500 spaces in a new garage right next to Terminal B. So all part of the big construction. So I guess the most important takeaway from this is that with more and more surface parking, 
obviously you're going to need a shuttle bus to get to the terminal. So make sure that you allow yourself. I know we say this often on this program, Mm -hmm. but as we head towards Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's way better to get to the airport and have 15 or 20 minutes where you don't know what to do than to get there and wish that you had 15 or 20 minutes because you can't. And heaven forbid the government would shut down right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, But, yeah, I'll be happy not to have your job on that day, Cindy. Um, But anyways, there are there are lots of complications, things that happen at the airport um, that can delay you for five or 10 or 15 minutes that you have no control over whatsoever. So especially if you're I'm going out there um, this afternoon to be and to park to take off for a trip. And I know I have to leave a little bit early because I'm going in the middle of the day and all the in close parking on the surface lot will be taken. So I know that I'll probably yeah. have to walk a little further or park in a different lot, take a shuttle bus, etc. Can I just mention one quick thing? The thing that you and your listeners can help us with, one of the key challenges we have is it's super hard to hire people. And one of the things we're trying to help our bus and parking contractor, Laz, with is hiring drivers. So if there's anyone out there who would like to drive, um, we have some initiatives that we've developed with Laz. Um, the starting salaries are $23.50 an hour, plus there's a signing bonus of $1,500. So um, come on out and help drive our buses. <laughs> That's great. Uh, excellent. Excellent. That was <laughs> that was excellent timing. i see if I can do that again. Um, and I think this probably kind of uh, floats into this a little bit. Um, Susie asks, she says, uh, Susie B says, lack of early morning concessions. She, she flies United in Southwest mostly. She says in the United Terminal, that would be Terminal A. Um, there's almost no way to get anything to eat in the morning. Terminal B is a little better, but not tremendously so. Please ask Cindy if there's any way to get more concessionaires to open earlier. Now that more flights are leaving in the 5 to 6 o'clock hour, many people are at the airport before 5 a.m. So I have a three-part answer to that. Actually, we've been doing much better at our concessions being open. Um, The TSA opens at 4 in the morning, and um, at 4 in Terminal A, we have four concessions that are open, and in Terminal B, we have three. And then pretty quickly, we get a lot more concessions opening by 5 o'clock. So by 5 o'clock in Terminal A, we have nine open um, of the total 12 concessions that are there. And in Terminal B, by 5 o'clock, we have 12 that are open. But we're not resting on our laurels there. We are currently conducting a set of requests for proposals, which we're evaluating for to completely refresh 18 food and beverage locations in both terminals. And we're expecting not only will we get new concessions that will provide exciting new options and tastes for people, but we're hoping that more can open early. Again, hiring is our main challenge. So your listeners, you know, please, please get on our website and look for opportunities to work for us and for our concessionaires. And that website would be? It's um, if you go to the website for um, Sacramento International Airport, you will see that. Okay, excellent. And we will put a link to the airport website at TravelGuysRadio.com. So that's all that you you need to do. We're talking with Cindy Nickel, who is the director of airports for Sacramento County. And we're asking her some of the questions that you asked us to ask her. Here's one, Cindy, that comes up quite often. Um, the service station at the airport often seems to have the highest gas price in town. Why is that? 
So every month we ben- we benchmark against other service stations that offer all of the amenities that we have at the AMPM, including accepting credit cards, providing the convenience store, car wash, and other amenities. Uh, the agreement that we're working on is an older older agreement that allows them to charge 5% above that benchmark number. But we are paying attention, and, um, you know, it's uh, hopefully – Hopefully, people will be able to find other alternatives um, before they get close to the airport or, you know, sometimes for time reasons, it just makes sense to purchase the gas here. And airport gas is always, and when you get to where there's only one service station and there's no competition, prices are generally higher. But, yeah, I have to agree with the concession. And you know what? I think the last time you were on this program a ways back, we we posed this very same question to you. And and so anyways, it's just uh, my only th- comment is that sometimes the, the last impression that a traveler has of a city, I have this of Orlando. I remember right. paying five ninety nine right. for gas when gas was three dollars and fifty cents close to the Orlando airport. Um, I haven't been back to Orlando since then. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, that sure. I really yeah. haven't had a chance to go back to Orlando, but nonetheless, it, it left an impression on me. So we don't want to have a great airport and have people go home and grouse about the gasoline prices. Um, let me ask you, Cindy, what is the thing you're most proud of at the airport? You know, I am most proud of the innovation and growth mindset of my staff. I think we really punch above our weight. We're categorized as a medium hub by the FAA, but honestly, we are uh, leading the industry in a whole slew of things. I could give you a list as long as your arm, but I will tell you that in everything from food and beverage concessions to establishing that regional alliance that I talked about, we've just done a slew of new initiatives for how to finance that included state legislation as well as federal legislation. We have a lot of firsts in the nation for developing safety management systems. Um, we've done some cool things like um, people who have, uh, who are site challenged, who use IRA, A-I-R-A, they can come to the airport and be able to basically virtually see um, where they're going by wearing glasses that connect to someone who's speaking to them and telling them where they are and what's in front of them. I could go on and on. But um, we're also doing a lot in the environmental sustainability re- uh, realm. Um, and I just love that, that people are not satisfied with the status quo, but really feel empowered to think outside the box and be innovative. I've only got about 30 seconds left left here, but I wanted to ask you about something I found on your biography online. You were, you were or are part of a thing called Friends of Baseball. And served on their board of directors? Yes. So in Portland, that's a group that that is working with kids in underserved communities who um, it it inspires them through aviation and base, excuse me, through baseball to um, understand the importance of math. So, you know, you need to know your batting statistics. You need to know all these statistics that baseball entails. Um, So that encourages kids to to understand the importance of science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay, cool, cool. I just thought that was kind of a, a kind of an interesting thing. Are you a baseball fan? I'm a huge baseball fan. Yes, River Cats and Giants. Ah, uh, okay. And whoever's playing the Dodgers, um, those are, those those <laughs> yeah. are my rules. 
Cindy, yeah. thank you so thank you so much for being generous with your time and for your answers and all of the information. Um, I promise we will hunt you down uh, quicker than every few years here on that we won't have a pandemic to have to come along to get you back on the radio again. Right. Thank you again. Um, keep up the good work out there at the airport, and uh, we'll look forward to some of that new stuff that's coming very soon. Great. Thank you so much for your interest. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to all of the changes out at the airport and all of the positive things. And uh, I'm going to remind everybody, put on uh, put on your patience cap, because I'm sure that while the construction's going on, there's going to be a few delays here or there that uh, we'll have to work around, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, I, 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 it sounds like it will be. The other thing is that if we don't get more space, then we're not going to be on the best airports lists anymore so i'm i'm everything that she had to say from concessions to parking and stuff it's nice to know all of that stuff hey listen we are the travel and entertainment guys it's time for quickly for our odds and ends segment here tom did you see taylor swift's concert when she came around no um, no don't um, don't bring me into the taylor swift thing a lot uh, of- i am so so <laughs> up to here with taylor swift go yeah. ahead but listen this Your is good turn. news um taylor swift's uh, tour yeah Added, it, it's believed, economists say, $4.1 billion to the economy. I know a lady who says she thinks that she, in my Toastmaster Club, who thinks that she um, provided all of that $4.1 billion because that's what she paid for her ticket. Wow. Um, but none, no, and if you talk to people who went to the concert, um, they will tell you that it was worth every penny. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a story about a some slices of cake, Carlo's Bake Shop, with, that has machines in casinos in like in uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I was in Laughlin last week on my Route 66 trip. Noticed one of Carlo's Bake Shop's big machines. Not a single piece of cake in it. I at, in Harrah's. I went next door to the Riverside. There was another one. I just happened to see it. Not a single piece of cake in it. Do you think that people have heard? That that cake is shipped in from New Jersey and preserved with cake goo, and that's why they're not... Yeah, maybe that might have something to to do with it. I'd like to think that we were responsible, but uh, nonetheless, the machines were empty, and it didn't say they were out of order or, you know, would be stocked again tomorrow, but we'll see. Anyways, um, the cake goo situation appears to be under control. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of The Travel Guys. Please dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends, stay well. We'll see you next Saturday, 11 a.m. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.